1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we will read verse 10 through 18. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them, which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus besides. I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can be in your house tonight. Uh, thank you for uh, the good services that we had this morning. I'm thankful for uh, the blessing uh, that we have uh, to have a church and to meet in freedom. And uh, what a blessing it's already been to hear the songs and to uh, sing praises to your name and hear the testimonies of how you've uh, protected and how you've answered prayer. And we thank you uh, for how good you are to us. And we just pray that you'd be honored and glorified in what I do and say here tonight. Pray that you'd help me to say everything I'm supposed to say, and that I would uh, leave out the things that uh, don't need to be included. And I pray that you'd uh, work in hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me just say this, and those of you that preach know this, I think, too, that I hate preaching for this reason only. The last four days have been absolutely miserable. <laughs> And I knew what I was going to preach, but God had to work on me first, and that's the, the hard part. I haven't slept very much. It's, it's been a lot of fun, but it's been good. And uh, so hopefully this makes sense to you, it, and uh, I know this is what God wants me to say, so hopefully uh, this is a blessing to you. So, and I, the Lord brought this, this passage to mind and, and showed me this, and you know, there's a problem in, in, in churches that's existed for thousands of years. And that problem is good old-fashioned pride. And it's the same issue that we deal with today that they dealt with in the Corinthian church. And I know the tendency, and maybe you're not the way I am, but uh, sometimes I like to compare myself to people. Because, you know, when you compare yourself to people, you don't feel so bad about yourself, Right? And uh, I remember um, as a kid, you know, my mom used to quote that verse to us all the time, comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise or were not wise. And, uh, you know, that comparison thing gets us in a lot of trouble. 
And the Corinthian church was dealing with that. And we say, oh, that's the, you know, the Corinthian church. You know, I've heard people say that, and they're right. Talk about the Corinthian church, and they say, oh, what a horrible, they were just a mess. Have you looked in the mirror lately? We're a mess. We do some really stupid things. We continue to learn the same lessons over and over again. Um, and you know what the biggest pride, this, this pride thing, it's when you say, well, I'm not prideful. I says, well, well, do you ever think about your rights more than you think your rights are more important than anyone else's rights? I'm not talking about the right to bear arms and all that stuff. I'm talking about our personal rights. You can't talk to me like that. I'm somebody special. Well, yeah, we're all special. God loves us all, you know. But, uh, you know, actually I was, and I'm all about, uh, uh, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And uh, that's the key word, in the Lord. And there's a, a guy that is, uh, he lost 140 pounds and he's an ultra runner and all this. And on Thanksgiving, he put out a message and he said, while we're being thankful, let's not forget to thank ourselves. And I was like, what? Yeah, because if it wasn't for you, you wouldn't have success. And I'm like, wow, that is so conceited. Now, yeah, you do have, you know, I was just telling the kids in junior church this morning, you have to, you know, the Bible says uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. You, you actually have to put in effort. If you want God to do things for you, he expects you to do certain things. You don't just, you know, go live on an island and say, you know, God... Do everything for me because you're an all-powerful. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? But we care too much about ourselves. Let's just be honest. Um, and when we do that, we take God off of his throne. We would never, never, and I'm sure everybody in here would say the same thing. We would never say that out loud or admit it to other people usually. But when we put, we care about our rights and we care about what other people think about us, and we care about all those things, we take God and we take him off the throne and we put ourselves there. And we, we you know, um, I quote this verse to my children all the time, and I know your children are all perfect angels, okay, so you probably don't have to quote this verse, but the um, uh, verse in First uh, Samuel, I believe it is, uh, where it says that stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. And what is stubbornness? Stubbornness is saying, hey, I know the best way, and your way doesn't matter. I know how to do it, and when I do it my way, I can have the best success. Well, that's wrong, and I think we all know that, but we need to be reminded of it sometime. Um, contentions arise. The, the Bible says here, uh, it says in verse 11, it says, the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now, I don't believe that there's, we're at a boiling point and are ready to erupt those type of contentions. You know, I think we're, we're, we all could work on some things, but there's, there's something to keep in mind that if you have an issue with somebody, you're dealing with pride in your life. Um, Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride cometh contention. Again, um, my, I say this to my kids all the time if they're fighting. I say, who has pride? And they'll I said, somebody in this room has pride because you're fighting with each other. Now, the person that is right can have some pride too because they don't want to back down. They know they're right. 
Have you ever been there? You know you're right, and you're going to die in that hell. You're married. If you're married, you know that struggle. Okay? But, and, and I think I've said this before, but it's true. And my wife's in the nursery, so I can talk all I want about her. But, and it's true, though. My wife's a much better person than me. I'll be the first to admit it. So a lot of times, our argument, any argument that we have is because I don't want to admit once again that she did the right thing and I did the wrong thing. So my pride gets in the way, and I say, I'm not giving in this time. I'm dying on this hill. I've even said those words. I'm dying on this hill right here. And then 45 minutes later, and she won't argue back, which really irritates me. And then 45 minutes later, I'm apologizing, and she'll say, I thought you weren't wrong. And I'm like, you know, just take the apology, please. Let's, let's move on, right? And we've, we've all been there, but you know what? We laugh because it's true, and we all deal, we all deal with those things. Um, let me read you uh, something. Now, I, I usually don't quote names. Maybe somebody knows who this is, but there's a guy named Jimmy Durante. I have no idea who that is, okay? But apparently he was an entertainer of some sort, and uh, there's a story about Jimmy Durante, one of the great entertainers of a generation ago, he was asked to be part of a show for World War II veterans. He told them his schedule was very busy and he could afford only a few minutes, but if they wouldn't mind his doing one short monologue and immediately leaving for his next appointment, he would come. Of course, the show's director happily agreed. But when Jimmy got on stage, something interesting happened. He went through the short monologue and then stayed. The applause grew louder and louder, and he kept staying. Pretty soon, he had been on 15, 20, then 30 minutes. Finally, he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage, someone stopped him and said, I thought you had to go after a few minutes. What happened? Jimmy answered, I did have to go. But I can show you the reason I stayed. You can see for yourself if you look down in the front row. In the front row were two men, each of who had lost an arm in the war. One had lost his right arm, and the other had lost his left. Together, they were able to clap. And that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully. They figured out how to overcome their differences. That's true unity. You know, we talk about unity, and I'm all about unity, but, and I'm, as you know, I, I like sports, and, you know, there's, um, uh, there's a saying, there's no I in team, right? And tonight I'd like to preach a message, it's kind of a weird title, but there's no I in church either. And this passage in 1 Corinthians, they all were concerned that word I just appears over and over and over and over. And I this and I that. Any of you ever have I-itis? Right? We spend a lot of time talking about, me included, okay? So we spend a lot of time talking about ourselves. We spend a lot of time talking about our ideas, what we think should happen. Uh, believe me, if you sit down and ask me, I'll give you five ways to fix New York. And there, and there could even be... Um, 
put in alphabetical order, all those things. I have it all figured out, right? Because I, I think I know a lot of things, right? Because of pride. Three quick things we're going to look at. First is this. God is glorified when we are unified. Look at verse 10. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Perfectly joined together. That means being brought back. When we're perfectly joined together, we're brought back in, and a lot of times we're brought back in the right way by correction. And let me tell you, the correction is no fun. Any of you that, that have children know that, hey, when you deal with your children, hopefully you don't, you know, I don't give my wife a high five at bedtime and say, I got to administer discipline five times today. Woo! I hate it. And that's when you know you're, and I'm not, I certainly haven't arrived, but that's when you know you're doing it the right way. You should never enjoy it. You should never get great thrills out of disciplining your, disciplining your children. And even though it's painful, it's necessary. And we, we all know that. And that's the same thing with us. God does not want to chastise us. But, you know, the Bible says that if you judge yourselves, you'll not be judged. He says, hey, I don't want to deal with this stuff. You take care of you. I've said that to my children. I said, hey, if you don't want me involved in correcting you, then you fix it. Because I don't want to have to fix it. You fix it. Right? And God says the same thing to us. He says, hey, I gave you a word, the word. I give, I've given you prayer. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You know, we were just talking um, in junior church this morning about um, when Jesus left and he had, was meeting with them in the room uh, and how he just appeared in the room, which sometimes I felt like I really sold short that story because it's just hard for us to imagine because we don't see things like that, right? But the Bible says that if we believe that, obviously we're, the Bible says we're rewarded because we didn't get to see that. But we have to have faith and believe that it happened. But can you imagine if all of a sudden we're sitting here with the doors locked and someone just shows up in the middle of the room? Some people would probably run, right? It'd be a little spooky, I think, right? And he said, peace be unto you when he came into the room too. And, but what did he do? He left them the Holy Spirit. Before that, think about, think about this. And I know, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, all those things. There's so many people that are much better Christians than I will ever be that never actually held an entire copy of the Bible in their hands. But they took what little that they had and they knew it inside out. They used to, uh, you know, I've read about some of the um, missionaries in the past and people in other countries where they would just have a couple pages of a scripture and they would just rotate, pass them around the church. And we, we have a lot that, to be thankful for. Perfectly joined together. Unity, but not at the expense of truth. And I think we all know that. You know, uh, yeah, it's important to be unified, but we should not be compromising what we believe. Um, I, I read this quote. It says, To remain divided is sinful. Did not our Lord pray that there 
that they be one, even as we are one. John 17, 22. A chorus of ecumenical voices keep harping the unity tone, tune. What they are saying is Christians of all doctrines, shades, and beliefs must come together in one visible organization regardless. Unite, unite. Such teaching is false, reckless, and dangerous. Truth alone must determine our alignments. Truth comes before unity. Unity without truth is hazardous. Our Lord's Prayer in John 17 must be read in its full context. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We should not compromise what we believe for unity. Obviously, we know that. But you know what? I think it's important to remind ourselves of that. Because what do we, what do? We, do? We, we allow ourselves to get distracted. We allow ourselves to... It's easy to do. Okay? I work, I work with a lot of people that I... I shouldn't say a lot of people. People that I know from their testimony and from the way they talk and from the way they live their lives, that they're saved. But I would never step foot in their church. And we have come, and I'll give them this, we've come to an agreement. We can be unified as long as we're talking about this. But when this subject comes up, we both know, and not a, not a prideful thing, I'm better than you, nothing like that, that say, hey, we don't believe the same way in that area. And here's what the Bible says, and I can't back down from that. Now, that makes for some really uncomfortable conversations sometimes. Because they're being taught, oh, let's be unified. Let's join hands and, and all come together and compromise the truth. And that's not what we should be doing. Then it says in uh, the same verse in verse 10, it says that we should be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. In other words, we should have the mind of Christ and we should be following the judgment of Christ. In other words, doing things God's way. And guess what getting the mind of Christ involves? Something we don't like sometimes. Time, sacrifice, sleepless nights, early mornings, pain. And we, we uh, you know, we ask, I'll just be honest, and maybe you don't ask, but whenever I have pain, I ask for it to be removed. I don't, I don't like pain. I'm not a sadist. I don't inflict pain upon myself on purpose, Right? I don't like pain. But you know what? Sometimes that's what we need. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, talks about how that sometimes it's not even for us. Sometimes God put us, puts us through something so that we can be a help to someone else. And we don't necessarily even see the benefits from that. And sometimes he puts us through it and then he doesn't have us use it until years down the road. And then all of a sudden, the light goes off, and you go, oh, that's why he did that. That's why he wanted me to go through that. Now it makes sense, right? But you only see that when you have the mind of Christ. When you're more concerned about your, your uh, pity parties and your, your problems that you're dealing with, which, hey, I'm not, we all have problems, okay? And I'm not minimizing those problems, okay? 
but they should cause us to turn to Christ. And they should cause us to find out, hey, why is, you know, we just had the lessons on suffering um, on Wednesday nights, and why am I going through this? Am I doing something wrong? Do I need, is there something that I have to get right in my life? Those are all questions that we should ask ourselves. You know, um, God, like I said in the beginning of this point here, God is glorified when we are unified. And you know what? Uh, just because, you know, just because we're unified or because we have a union does not mean we're unified. Um, just, you know, just like, uh, for instance, we just talked about marriage. Just because somebody's married doesn't mean they're unified. It takes, takes work, right? I, got, I have this quote down, it's kind of humorous, but it says, there can be union without unity. Tie two cats together by their tails and throw them over a clothesline, right? They're, they're a union, but they're not unified, okay? And they will fight to the death, probably. That's what they usually do. Not that I know from personal experience. Well, maybe they do. But, right, that, that ha- we... we, we we, we go to church together, and we say, oh, we're, we're unified. Then why do you have contention? Now, this is what we're really good at. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only one that's really good at this. Okay? This is what we're really good at. We're really good at putting on a show. You know, we would, we would condemn, we've been speaking on this a lot in junior church, and again, maybe because it applies to me, but... I, I pound this in the kids' heads over and over again. I say, you want to point your finger. Everybody wants to point their finger at the Pharisees, right? And they're like, oh, the Pharisees were wicked. And what was wrong with them? And what was wrong with the disciples? And blah, 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 right? Do you ever let people think something else about you that's really not true? Do you ever smile at somebody and greet them with a and you, in your heart, you hate them? You say, that's an awful strong word. Well, say, maybe you don't hate them. Maybe you strongly dislike them. All right? Is there anybody that, and this shouldn't be so, but is there anybody whose name, when their name comes up, and they're a Christian, but you would never say it out loud, but you hear their name and you go, ugh. Like I said, you would never say it out loud. Right? But you can fake it. Oh boy, fake it till you make it. That's what they say, right? Well, that is hypocrisy. And that is contentious. And that is sin. We don't like to admit that, but that's exactly what it is. Um, So God is glorified when we are unified. Second of all, contentions arise when we are concerned with who gets the credit or who is right. Let's look in uh, verse 11 and 12. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. And then he says, is Christ divided? And of course the answer is no. They were fighting... And, and if you're familiar with this passage, you know they were fighting about baptism and who they were baptized by. And Paul says, hold on, who cares who you were baptized by? The most important thing is, 
the gospel. He said, I've preached unto you the gospel. That's the most important thing. They're more concerned about their baptism than they were about the gospel. And you say, uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, concerned with who gets the credit or who is right. You ever insert yourself in someone else's conversation? You know that old saying, uh, this is an A-B conversation, see you way out of it? Right, you ever heard that? If you're not involved in the conversation and you insert yourself into the conversation without being invited, you have pride in your heart because you think you have an idea to contribute to the conversation. We don't like to admit that, but it's true. When um, something gets mentioned, we have a work day, right? And pastor mentions some of the projects that were done, but he doesn't mention your project. Do you get offended? If you get offended or you get hurt, you're, you have pride. Who'd you do it for? You know, the Bible says that we should want our, we should want our reward in heaven. And then it talks about how when we're mentioned on earth, he said, sometimes that's our reward that we were mentioned. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd rather much have a reward in heaven. But what do we do sometimes? We get concerned about, oh, I, nobody's cleaned windows in this church like I have in the last 30 years. And I, nobody has said this to me, okay, don't get me wrong, okay? But I'm just... I know how people are. I know how this person is, okay? And, oh, they didn't notice? You know what? Uh, yes. Do I do things to get my wife's attention? Yeah, I do. But I should do things. When you truly love somebody, you're not worried about whether you get praise for that or not. You do it because you genuinely care about the person. So if you truly love the Lord, you won't care if anybody notices that you did something. Because you did it for the right reason. The, the, you know, the truth serum for whether or not we're doing something for the Lord is if we get upset if we don't get mentioned. Another thing we do, and this is uh, pride as well, and causes contention, but we bring up what we have done. You know, we, uh, we talk about this all the time at work. Uh, there's officers I work with that have war stories. They weren't literally in war. Jail war stories. And I did this, and at my other facility, I did this, this, and this. And you, would, you should have seen the show of force that I had. I'm like, if I recall correctly, when you transferred here, you had to come here because you were such a bad officer. At the other place, they ran you out of there. But they make everybody else think that they're, you know, God's gift to corrections, right? And we can do the same thing. We can say, oh, well, I do this. And we, we, when we're concerned about what, how we look, and again, this is simple stuff. But it's, it's something we have to be reminded of over and over and over again. 
Um, another thing, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is we, uh, we argue about pointless things in the Bible. Now, is the Bible important? Yes. But there's some things that even the, you know, God reveals parts of the Bible to us as we mature. There's, and, and that's what keeps it fresh, right? I mean, I've been reading the Bible since I was a little boy. And I'll still be reading and I'll say, oh, wow. Where's that been the last 50 times I read through that, right? I've read um, Proverbs, Proverb a day since I can't even remember when. Even before I was saved, I read a Proverb a day, right? And I still learn some things from that. Why? Because God reveals it to me. Um, I'll never forget, and I don't want to start, start an argument, okay? Prove our contentions. But... I've always, and I think it's partly because of the home I was brought up in and the church that I was brought up in, but I've always believed the Bible. It's not something that I struggled with. Uh, when I went to college, there were some people that I went to, they call them the dorm theologians, and these guys thought they were experts, and they tried to argue that if you didn't know Greek and Hebrew, then you didn't really know the Bible and you know all that nonsense. And so... We had to write a paper once about Jephthah. And I never forget when they gave me the topic and I said, Jephthah, did he perform his vow? I'm like, well, the Bible said he performed his vow. I don't understand why we're even questioning this. Right? Because I believe what the Bible says. Right? And there was all these people that got all up and their hackles up and arguing about this back and forth for hours about whether Jephthah killed his daughter or not. Well, what does the Bible say? Right? And I, again, I'm not trying to cause dispute, but I'm just saying there's things in the Bible that are very clear. The Bible's very clear, and we don't need to argue about stuff. You know, we should just take what we know and do that. Because there's enough that we know that we don't do we don't need to really worry about some of that other stuff that we don't understand, right? Uh, and here's another way, you know, that we have to be careful of, and the Bible warns us of this. Remember when um, they were going and they were getting, um, they were being good Baptists, and they were trying to get discounts because you know Baptists like a good good discount, and they were taking the meat that was offered to idols, and Paul says to them, "Hey." This is, this is causing a big problem. There's a, there's, this is causing stumbling. You know what? If you're doing something, this is what your pride says. Okay, this is what this person's pride says, okay? So hey, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for you. I'm a man. I can do. God's made me a man, and I need to do what I need to do. And if people don't like it, I've actually said this, okay? If people don't like it, they can go jump off a cliff. Because I believe this is what's right. Now, there is some of that that's needed. You shouldn't compromise on things. I'm not talking about that. Okay, for instance, here's a good example of this. Um, I personally, because I didn't grow up drinking, and to me, alcohol smells like garbage. I have zero problem walking into a Chili's or something like that and sitting down and... I'm fine. I know Christians that have a problem with that because it pulls them right back in. Well, you know what? If I know 
that that's a problem for somebody, then I'm in sin and I have pride if I insist on dying on that hill with that person. You're wrong. Hey, I don't care if they have bottomless nachos, okay? I know it's cheaper to eat there, right? When you have kids, you think of these things. Bottomless nachos, popcorn, you know, all these fillers, right? So you don't have to spend as much money. But, right? But what, do we do? what is that, though? That is pride, right? Now I say, oh, I don't have a problem with it. What's his problem? Now, we, we, we get, but what do we do? We get upset about it, and we get full of pride about it, and we say, well, I don't have a problem with it. What's his problem? He just needs to grow in the Lord. How are you doing? Do you have the maturity that you should have at the age you are in the Lord? You might not. And you need to remember that. You need to remember that, hey, not everybody grew up the way you did. There's things that I understood and knew at a very young age that some people still have never even heard. And I don't say that. I'm just saying because there's things we talked about in family devotions. It's, and it's things that I read, you know, things like that, that I established a long time ago that some people aren't there yet. And we need to have compassion. And we need to have understanding. And we need to have love. And we need to help them along. Instead of pointing our fingers and saying, well, you know, this church, uh, we do this this way. Okay, hold on. They just started coming here. Okay, let's give them a little grace. And remember that there's things that you should have figured out a long time ago, and you haven't figured out yet either. You know, I, I sometimes think about that. I think, you know, I said, here I am. I, point, I, I, I see something in someone's life, and I have a problem with it. And then the Lord says to me, hey, you've known that you should be doing this since you were 10 years old. Why aren't you doing that? Or why do you still struggle with that? You should have conquered that a long time ago, right? And God wants us to set aside our contentions and set aside our pride. You know what? Because at the end of the day, we're here to glorify God. That's really what we're here for. He wants fellowship with us, and he wants us to glorify his name. Do you glorify his name? Turn, uh, we're in the same passage here in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to finish up with this. It says, in, um, starting in verse 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. Notice the theme here, that God doesn't really care about our wisdom. And he likes to use the foolish things. Why? Because he wants the glory. It says, but unto them, in verse uh, 24, which are called both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many foolish, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and he has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We are here to glorify God. And you know what God does? He destroys the wisdom of the world. He uses the foolish things of the world. He uses us. Stop and think about that for a little while. We think, we think sometimes that we're somebody special, but God chooses to use us. He uses weak things. Uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, when I am weak, then I am strong, right? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We don't like that weakness part. But that's how God shows himself strong on our behalf. That's how he, his name is glorified. Right? Through our weakness. He uses the base, the base things. The main conclusion is this. We are here to glorify God. To truly glorify God. Not to glorify ourselves. Not to talk about our accomplishments. Not to talk about our children. I know maybe some of you don't do that. I talk about my kids sometimes, in a good way. Sometimes I talk about them some other ways too. But, uh, <laughs> but we, we, you know, grandparents, that's a big thing with grand, you know, they always say grandparents love the dote on their grandchildren. I understand all that. But the end of, at the end of the day, we are truly here to glorify God. And you know what? If you cause divisions or you don't have the right heart towards somebody in this church, you don't have the mind of Christ and you are part of the problem. I don't know about you. I like going to church here. I want it to stay unified. The only way, and I'm sure I know that's pastor's goal, but the only way that happens is good old-fashioned swallow your pride, get it confessed, and not be somebody that causes contentions. And all of us can be there. We can easily slip into the flesh and just become that person that we would think that we would never be. You know what? There's people. There's a man that used to go to this church, and I'm not going to mention his name. But he sold all of his King James Bible books at the Salvation Army recently. His name is right in the front fry leaf of the thing. He went here for years. He's been gone a long time. If you would have asked him 20 years ago if he would ever be where he is now, he would probably argue vehemently that that was never going to happen to him. And I think we would do the same thing. But the Bible tells us to take heed unless ye fall. You got to constantly be doing a checkup to find out where you're at. 
And if you're easily offended, and if you're worried about who gets the credit, and if you're worried about, oh, this person got mentioned and I didn't, and this, this person didn't say good morning to me this morning, it's time to grow up. And it's time to get rid of our pride because I don't know about you, but I want to be unified. And the only way that that happens is through effort and having the mind of Christ and having the right heart. That's the only way it happens. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you uh, take the time to use us. Thank you that you take the time to speak to us and uh, thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray that you would help uh, this message. Uh, I pray that you, I thank you for the way that you've worked in my heart and I pray that you'd help me to uh, be surrendered to you and that I would not have pride. And I pray that you'd help us as we go uh, throughout this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.